You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey, everybody. Hope you're having a great week. We are starting a new series this week entitled What's in a Name? We're going to look at uh, four different instances over the next month where God changes people's names and what we can learn through those stories. It's not uh, necessarily just about the names or or what God changes their names to, but also the circumstances that surround the situations. Uh, This week, we're going to be back in the book of Genesis, like we have been for the last month as we walked through detours, Um, but right back in the book of Genesis, because we have to start this series talking about Abraham and a decades-long conversation, a decades-long promise, um, that happens between God and Abraham. And in the middle of that, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. So uh, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. We're actually going to look at several different passages from several different uh, chapters. And we're at, we have to start Genesis chapter 12, right at the beginning, verses 1 through 3. This is what it says. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So the first point this week is we're blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. This initial promise of God makes it really clear that Abraham will be blessed. It is so much more than that, though. Thousands of years later, we get the opportunity to to look at that statement and apply it to our lives, but we also just get to look at the promise of God in Abraham's life, and we get to know the end of the story. Abraham didn't know the end of the story. He just believed. Where we get to know the end of the story, we get to know that God did absolutely fulfill his promise. But it's also important that we understand that that promise that God fulfilled in Abraham's life is a promise that he wants to fulfill in ours too, that we are blessed to be a blessing. As followers of Christ, we are called to shift the focus off of ourselves and onto others. And it doesn't mean that we won't be blessed. I guess God makes it really clear that, that we're going to be blessed throughout our lives. And it might look the way that we want it to. It might not look like we thought it would, but we will be blessed if we follow Jesus. But it doesn't mean that the blessing should be our goal. The blessing should never be our goal. We talk about this regularly. Um, We need to be people who are uninterested in hoarding the blessing of Jesus. We need to be people who are uninterested in saying, man, I'm so lucky and I'm so blessed. And isn't that great? And high five people and then just be like, and nobody else gets the blessing. Like, no, we are blessed to be a blessing. God goes on to say this, uh, or or the interaction goes on to say this in verse four. It says, so Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. The next point is this. So he went. So Abram went. God called and Abram obeyed. And don't, don't you think we sometimes overcomplicate things? God called Abram and his response was simple obedience. Now, I know we don't often get an audible call from God, but he still gives us plenty of opportunities to respond in simple obedience. We make it complicated. He does not. 
God just says like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. And instead of Abram taking all of this time and being like, oh, well, what if this and what if that and coming up with whatever scenario he wanted to in his head, it just says, God called Abraham. He said, go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, all those things. And it says, so he went. So he went. I love the simple act of obedience. And I think it's a reminder to us is sometimes we're not going to know all the answers, um, but we get the opportunity to just simply obey what God is calling us to do. It says that Abraham was 75 years old when he was called by God. I think it's really interesting when biblical authors make sure to touch on the age of someone. There's a reason for that. I think it often serves as a reminder that God doesn't wait for seasons that make sense to call us. God doesn't wait for seasons that make sense to call us. Our humanity will often drive us to creating a framework for when we should be called or when it makes sense for God to call us into a new season. But I think it's important that we remember that God is not following that framework. God is not following our plan. God is not following our framework. He is following his. I have a buddy who's an engineer at a large company, and and one of his primary jobs is to build plans, build blueprints. He also works with budgets, and he works with bids, and, he, and all of these different things. And that that's what he does. He thinks big picture. He figures out the big plan, and then he gives them to contractors, and the contracts execute the plans that he has made. Somebody else doesn't. It doesn't mean that he would be unable to. It just means that he that that is not what he has decided to do right like his role and i think for us it's important that we remember that we're not the engineer right that we are the ones who follow jesus that god is the engineer he is the one who makes the plans he makes the blueprint he makes the timeline he makes all those different things our job is to take that and execute them to the best of our ability now god could god snap his finger and make his plans come to fruition 100 percent. but he is uninterested in that he wants a participatory relationship between us and him he wants us to be a part of the solution we know that jesus is the solution we know that the plans that he has for us are the best plans but we have to be the people who step in and say, yes, I see it. I've caught the vision. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it come to life. He is not operating on our timeline. He's not operating in our framework. We are called to operate in his, and we have to remember that on a regular basis. The next few chapters of Genesis uh, include a lot of mistakes. They include a lot of messiness, a lot if you've not read the story about Lot, read it. Um, it is a shocking one, and it is wild. It is uh, PG-13 at least, and it's just a bunch of broken, messy human beings doing broken, messy human being things. And then you look at the next chapter, and Abraham tries to give his wife to Pharaoh because he's afraid that he's going to be killed, so he just tries to give his wife away. Like It's just messy. It's broken. It's it's such a, an interesting... like if. If scripture wasn't the inherent word of God, um, I, I think that if it was just man-made, we, we'd keep some of this stuff out because it's not great, right? But God wants these stories for us to remember that God uses the messiest of situations to do the grandest things. So we, we get through some of the mess. We, we, we work our way through that, and we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 
through 6. It says, After these events, after the the mess, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring. So a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be greater than that. It will be more numerous. Abram believed the Lord, and it, and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. So the next point is this, a reminder of the promise, a reminder of the promise. Even though the promise hadn't been fulfilled yet, God wanted Abram to know that he had not forgotten. Abram obviously had not forgotten the promise. He left his land. He left his family. He left all of those things because of the promise. He had not forgotten, but God wanted to remind him that he also had not forgotten. Abram had questions about the promise. He had been waiting, and it just it wasn't feeling like it was going to happen. But, but I think what's important for us to see is that he had questions, and those questions did not anger God. Those questions did not anger God. We have to remember that we don't have to be afraid when we have questions of our own. I truly think that one of the biggest reasons that we struggle with our faith, especially in young adulthood, is that because we start we start to develop questions and somewhere along the line we bought the lie that questions are bad. Someone taught us that, somehow we we believed that that questions are inherently bad. Like maybe maybe we should just accept it. Maybe we shouldn't have questions because that's what we've always been told, so we just we just need to accept it for what it is and move on. But questions are a part of working out our faith. And yes, we should work out our faith with fear and trembling and respect of God. But I I am uninterested in you having your parents' faith. I am uninterested in having my parents' faith. I don't want you to have your pastor's faith. I don't want you to have anybody's faith but your own. And that comes through intentional time spent with Jesus, thanking him for what you know that you know that you know that you know to be true and then asking for clarity when you don't understand. You see, Abram looks at God and says, I do not know if this is going to happen. Like, how can this be? Like, what can you give me since I'm childless? Like, my heir is going to be a slave born in my home. Like, he's asking questions. He's confused. And God doesn't smite him. God doesn't yell at him. God doesn't say, how dare you question me? No, he says, come here, son, let's, let's go outside. Takes him outside and says, look at the sky. Look at the stars can't even count how many stars there are. Your offspring will be that numerous. I just want to remind you that my promise is still true. See, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, there is a difference between questioning Jesus and having questions about Jesus. Even with questions, scripture highlights that Abram had faith and it was credited to him as righteousness that he asked his questions, he had a conversation with God, he got some clarity, not perfect clarity, he didn't He didn't receive a, a son right there in that moment or anything like that, but he believed that God was who he said he was. And it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, faith is rarely had with perfect clarity. The reason it's called faith is because sometimes there's just not a perfect picture. And we have to have faith that it will be what God says it's going to to be. Faith is rarely had with perfect clarity. We cannot wait for perfect clarity to step forward into what God is calling us to do. God's calling 
is not a response to how sure we are. God's calling is not a response to how great we are. In fact, the opposite is true. Our response, we respond to God because of how great he is, because we believe that he is true to his word and that time and time and time again, God keeps his promises. So like Abram, we get to have faith and it will be credited to us as righteousness. So that happens in in Genesis chapter 15. Then we move forward to Genesis chapter 17. And right at the beginning of that, verses 1 through 2, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence. Be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Again, the author says he's 99 years old. There's 25 years, 25 years between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 17. But here's the truth. And this is our next point. God's promise, God's time frame. God's promises, God's time frame. It can be easy for us to feel like God is leading us to something and believe that means it must come to fruition quickly. Like we hear a promise and we're like, okay, that's going to happen ASAP. Like we're going to, that, that's going to happen right now. But remember, God is not directed by our expectations. God is not directed by our time frame. Too often we try to place our vision of quote unquote, what should be on God. Say, this is how it should be. Instead of looking at God and patiently waiting for him to communicate and God saying, this is how it's going to be. This is the way that it is. Here's my vision. Here's my calling. And we just go, yes, I've caught that vision. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be frustrating, but we can still be faithful and we can still be faith-filled in the midst of frustration. We, we might not want to wait 25 years. None of us probably do want to wait 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. So there's going to be a part of us that's just questioning that, right? Like, there's those questions. And we're going to be frustrated. Like, man, like, why is this taking so long? All those different things. But we can say, man, I wish that this was coming to fruition quicker or differently. But I'm still going to be faith-filled and faithful to who God has called me to be and believe that what he has for me is the best possible thing. You can still be faithful and you can be faith-filled in the midst of the frustrations of life. The story goes on to say in verses 3 through 5, it says, Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here's my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I will make you the father of many nations. The next point is this, is that names have meaning. Names have meaning. Before we jump into this passage any further, it's important that we look back at verse 1 of chapter 17 and see not just what God now calls Abraham, but what God calls himself. He says this, I am the God Almighty. I am the God Almighty. Which in Hebrew means El Shaddai. I am I am God Almighty. God wanted to remind Abraham that he was able to do all that he promised and more. That there was nothing that he couldn't accomplish because he is all powerful. He is El Shaddai. If he created the cosmos, if he hung those stars in the sky, the stars that he showed Abraham, why wouldn't he be able to fulfill this promise? That there's probably doubt and questions in Abraham's mind. Like, man, how, how, like, and we even see this in the scripture. He says, man, how is this going to happen? Like, I'm 100 years old. My wife's 100 years old. Like, how are we going to have a baby? And does God not just look at that and be like, what do you mean? I literally hung those stars in the sky. I created the sun and the moon and you in the, in the fabric of time, like you in your mother's womb, all of those things. And you think that I can't create a child in the womb of a 100-year-old woman? 
you have to believe that I am the God Almighty. You see, oftentimes when God wants to call us something, he reminds us of what we should be calling him. That when he calls us beloved, we don't think about how messy we are. We think about how great he is and how powerful he is. When he calls us loved, we don't think about how we don't deserve love. We realize that he is perfect love. And we need to know that that is where we are coming, where he is coming from. That when he calls us beloved is from a point, a place of perfect authority and perfect creation and all of those things that he is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. Now, in all these different interactions that we're going to talk about over the next month, it's important that we understand that the name changes aren't just fun for God. It's not just like a, a thing that he does on a whim. I have a four-year-old and she has a bunch of stuffed animals that get new names all the time. Uh, she has a lamb that she sleeps with every day and uh, she calls it llama. I don't know if it's because she thinks it's a llama or if it's just because it's really cute and she knows it's really cute and it just like bursts my heart every time she says it. So she just knows. I don't know. But then she has other animals that have like just random like human names. She's like, this, this one's Noel. This one's Jessica. And it changes like all the time. And there's no significance to it. But God, we aren't his playthings. We are his children. And in these moments when he, he renames someone, he does it with intentionality. God does not do things for no reason. Abram meant exalted father, which is a really rough name for someone who was 100 years old and completely childless up to this point. Exalted father. But Abraham meant this, father of many nations. And this is God doubling down or really quadrupling down. If you read the story in its entirety, he, he makes this promise four times. You're not just going to be a father. It's not just about you becoming a father, but you're going to be the patriarchal figure for not just a singular family, but for nations, for many nations. One of the things I love about this promise to Abraham is the reminder for us to step out of our own circumstances. Abraham was on board, right? Like he was so about it, but he kept talking about his individual circumstance. He kept talking about not having a child. Like, how is this going to happen? I don't have, I don't have a kid. I don't have a son. Like this guy is going to, this slave that was born in my house is going to be my heir. Like he couldn't get out of the, the singular focus of his current circumstance. But God kept reminding him that this was about so much more than that. For us, would we remember that while God wants to do things for us, he wants to fulfill the promises in our lives. He is much more concerned and focused on expanding the kingdom through us. See, for what God does for us is going to, if received correctly, move us towards the plans and purposes that he has set out before us. See, while Abraham had a son in mind, God had his son in mind. Abraham was thinking about Isaac while God was thinking about Jesus. Isaac would carry the family name, but Jesus was going to bring deliverance to the entire world. And it was going to come from this family tree. And this brings us back to the idea that, that we talked about at the beginning, that Abraham would without a doubt be blessed by having a son, by having offspring. But the point was that God was going to bless all people through his lineage. He was going to bless all people through one specific person, and that person was Jesus. I think God was ecstatic to give Abraham Isaac, but he was more excited about what Jesus was going to do for the entire world. God used a broken man with his broken family tree to deliver the world. Let us never believe the lie that he couldn't use broken people like us too. He wants to fulfill the promises in our lives. He wants to bless us. He wants to be a part of what we're doing. But ultimately, the end goal is for every ear to hear, for every eye to see that Jesus Christ is Lord. So no matter where you find yourself this week, 
No matter what promises you're waiting for, remember that he is faithful. He keeps his promises. And he, he is God Almighty. He is El Shaddai. There is nothing that he cannot do. And he wants to bless us so that we can bless other people. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.